This is Nate Milburn bringing you your AMSSM Journal Club podcast. This podcast is designed for residents and fellows alike to help get a better knowledge of seminal papers in sports medicine. Today, we're going to review the 2009 Low Back Pain and Young Athletes Review article from the Orthopedics Journal produced out of Boston Children's. This study is important because it gives a framework for the presentation and management of pediatric back pain. While it is not a randomized controlled trial, it is imperative that physicians understand this common complaint that is oftentimes very intimidating on the surface. Low back pain occurs in about 15% of young athletes, but can be seen in higher rates in certain sports, such as college football at 27%, all the way to rhythmic gymnastics at 86%. The referral and diagnostic patterns of pain are different than those seen in adults. In addition, delaying the workup of back pain in young athletes due to contributing the symptoms to back strains risks missing more serious injuries. The main risk factor thought to contribute to these diagnoses is the imbalance between rapid bone growth compared to relative slower growth of muscles and ligaments. Maximum times of growth are generally around age 12 for girls and 14 for boys. Other factors that contribute to the presentation are overtraining, muscle weakness, flexibility deficits, femoral antiversion, and thoracic kyphosis. It is imperative that the physician always be on alert for the red flag symptoms such as fever, malaise, weight loss, neurologic abnormalities, night pain, and morning stiffness. Furthermore, any history of HLA-B27 associated disease should be questioned. For the physical exam, which begin with skin abnormalities such as hemangiomas, cafe au lait, and hair patches should be examined. Scoliosis with forward flexion and other spinal abnormalities should also be tested. Single-legged hyperextension is performed for evaluation of the posterior column while flexion pain suggests injury to the anterior column. SI tests commonly employed are the Faber and Gainsland sign. In addition, hamstring flexibility or lack thereof should be addressed in addition to any point tenderness the patient may demonstrate. Common diagnoses to be familiar with include spondylolysis, which is a defect in the pars interarticularis, which may account for half of all young athletic back pain cases. SI joint dysfunction. Along with this diagnosis, it's important to ensure there is not an occult stress fracture of the sacrum. Atypical lumbar Schurman, vertebral body apophyseal avulsion fracture, and rarely disc herniation. And finally, an infection, inflammation, and tumors can all cause back pain, and you need to have a high level of suspicion to screen for these. For diagnostic testing and studies, overall x-rays are the standard imaging modality, and there should be very low threshold to order them in pediatric athletes. The article mentions obtaining an oblique image, however, these are not commonly obtained at this time. Furthermore, additional imaging or if directed laboratory studies should be sought earlier in the course if there's failure of improvement. MRI is the common next step due to good image quality and lack of radiation, although CT scans were more common when this article was written. For treatment, overall, activity modification and avoiding any activity that causes pain should be a starting point. Pain-free range of motion should be observed prior to any gradual return to sport. In addition, one must take the diagnosis into consideration when formulating the treatment plan. Today, we have Dr. Naomi Brown, a pediatrician and fellowship-trained sports medicine physician. She's currently an attending physician in the Division of Orthopedic Surgery at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and a member of AMSSM and PRISM, the Pediatric Research and Sports Medicine Group. Dr. Brown, thanks so much for coming on our podcast today. Thanks for having me. So I'll get right to the questions that I know our listeners are anxious to hear. What is your general approach to the history and physical in a child presenting with back pain? So that's a great question and uh, a very complicated one, right? So in general, uh, we always want to approach a patient from getting a very thorough history. A history can give you so much of what is actually going on in the patient. So important questions to ask are, when did the 
pain start? What are the provocative symptoms and what alleviates the pain? And questions like, are there any nighttime symptoms? Are there any fevers, weight loss? Any red flags that might come up that should cater your uh, decision-making to something more significant in terms of uh, fever um, causing infection or leukemia or any other oncologic etiology or rheumatologic etiology. In terms of a a patient who has extension-based back pain, for example, a dancer who dances 20 hours a week and points to one specific spot on her low back, and on exam, I ask her, if uh, she has pain when she stands on one foot and extends her back, what we call a stork test, I would have a very high suspicion for a bone stress injury like a spondylolysis as a source of her pain. But if you have a history of someone who has more diffuse back pain, sitting intolerance, uh, describes stiffness in the morning, and on history, there's a family history of spondyl arthropathy, I would be more concerned that there's a rheumatologic etiology. Now, these days during our pandemic that's occurring due to COVID-19, there's a lot of back pain that's presenting due to scapulothoracic back pain and poor posture and poor ergonomics. So it's also important to ask questions about how are they doing school? Are they virtual or hybrid? Where are they sitting when they're doing their schoolwork? Because a lot of students are reporting that they're sitting in their bed or at a table that is not at the appropriate height for their schoolwork. Great. And so... You know, you have this family in your room, the, the child and their parents, and the next question that they ask is, well, when, when can my son or when can my daughter get back to sports? Because I, I know that they're going to be a professional athlete, and I want to get them right back into it. Again, a challenging question you're asking, because it really depends on the diagnosis. If you have a patient who has, you know, the scapulothoracic back pain, core muscle weakness, hip muscle weakness, it's fine for them to go back and play. And honestly, we encourage them to be active but you have to use pain as your guide. If you have someone who's having a lot of back pain and can't play basketball all day and they go up for a layup and they land and they have poor core control, they may end up hurting their knee and tearing their ACL because they played through their pain. So it's really important to make sure that they have good strength, good flexibility before you say, go ahead and do everything and play through the pain. So in general, pain is guiding how much you can actually do and using pain as your guide is a really good indicator of how much they can participate. Now, if you have a patient who has a stress injury like a spondylolysis, you don't want them playing, running or jumping for a good period of time, sometimes four weeks, sometimes six weeks, sometimes 12 weeks. It really depends on their injury. And so telling an athlete they can't go back and do anything for at least six weeks is very mind altering to them. So one thing I say is maybe you can swim or you can bike, do the elliptical, but you're not running or jumping for a certain period of time. And then for for a lot of these pediatric athletes that come in with an overuse injury, how do you counsel them and the parents on on how this overuse injury occurred and, and what the next steps are? So overuse injuries, unfortunately, are very common these days. And educating athletes and their families about why they're at risk for overuse injuries is really important. If an athlete can actually understand why they have this injury, it is much easier to have them fix why this injury occurred. For example, I had a patient yesterday who told me that she's had her period for five years and for the last two years, she only gets her period every three months. 
And the pediatrician had told her that's completely normal. It's because you're exercising. And to me, that is a big red flag that there's something going on that she's overdoing it, that she's not getting regular periods. So asking questions, not just about the injuries, but also about their growth, their nutrition, and their hormonal cycles are really important to get at the source as to why an overuse injury may occur. I use a rule for my patients that for however old they are, that's how many hours they get that week to play that sport. So for example, if you're a 10 year old, you can play soccer for 10 hours a week. It's a little bit more complicated when you have a performance sport like gymnastics or figure skating, there may be a little bit of a give factor there for a couple of extra hours a week. But if you stay within that guideline, you have a good chance that you won't overdo it. So understanding that Adolescent bodies are working against them during growth spurts. Their bones are growing faster than their muscles and that their muscles are becoming tight. They may understand the need to stretch more and work on core muscles because their body is working against them. Showing an athlete their weak hip abductors in the office, for example, doing a single leg squat is often eye-opening to the athlete and their parents. And they see that there's a lot of work that can be done outside of the office, outside of the field, where they actually have to put some effort in to do some good strengthening and flexibility, not just when they're on the field. Great. And finally, the question that we ask everyone that's so important, what is something you would want every sports medicine fellow to know about back pain and kids? You are just all over the hard questions today. So while back pain is not that common in children, it should not be overlooked and should be taken seriously. Any red flags like we talked about, nighttime pain, fever, weight loss, please investigate these. It's very easy to get lab draws. I know children don't want any needles, but it's very simple to do and it can give you a lot of information. And if you are diagnosing a kid with adolescent, excuse me, if you're diagnosing a kid with acute leukemia, you just saved their life. Also check flexibility, check hamstring flexibility, check hip, check hip abductor strength. Advise all your patients to work on flexibility and hip strength. You're going to prevent future injuries, even, you know, devastating injuries like ACL tears by working on this flexibility, working on their hip strength. Great. So I think that's all the questions we have for you today, Dr. Brown. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and we hope to see you again soon. Thanks for having me. This has been Nate Milburn with AMSSM and our podcast series. We look forward to having you next time when we review another article.